Welcome to the Airport Experience News Podcast. I'm Ramon Lowe, the publisher of AXN and the host of this pod. If you like to listen via mobile, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or Stitcher. Or if you want to listen on your computer, you can go to airportxnews.com slash podcast. Well, this is episode 48 of the pod, and I speak with Rick Belliotti. He's the Director of Innovation and Customer Experience Design for San Diego International Airport. Basically, Rick oversees the Innovation Lab at San Diego, and in a short period of time, it's been the launching pad for some really great services. But regardless, the greatest thing about the lab is the fact that the airport has an Innovation Lab at all, because, well, many airports across country have some version of this lab, uh, an R&D department, or basically someone like Rick to oversee it all. Well, Rick does talk about the lab, uh, its origins, and basically what's next. So here is my conversation with Rick Belliotti. So I'm here with Rick Belliotti, the Director of Innovation and Customer Experience Design for San Diego International Airport. Rick heads up the wonderful Innovation Lab at the airport, which uh, in a relatively short period of time has yielded some really cool advancements. One that comes to mind is At Your Gates, who uh, might have been the first graduate, I don't know. But anyway, Rick, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Okay, so so Rick, basically, uh, this is just because we're recording this now, it's going to be official. I did want to have you on. I always had you on my radar to have on the podcast. Um, I don't know if you know, or maybe you do. I had interviewed Chris Hartman from At Your Gate. Um, a few episodes ago, and I know Chris probably might want to take credit for <laughs> for me having you on, but I, I will refute that and say that I already had you on radar to, to kind of be on the podcast. Well, that's that's very flattering. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, but I do I, I did hear the one that you had with Chris, and he definitely wants to take credit for it. And you know, honestly, they're uh, one of our kids, if you will, that have come out of the innovation lab, and so I'm always happy to see them doing well and and getting the press that they're getting. And, you know, anytime they can help me out, I appreciate it. That's great. So uh, before we get started on talking about the lab specifically, I want to talk about a little bit about you, your background. It's kind of like a two-part question. You know, what did you, uh, did you have a background in tech and innovation? And then also what brought you to the airport? Sure, sure. So I actually started my career out as a software developer. I worked for Motorola Semiconductor Product Sector back in the 90s and uh, was writing uh, Unix code for um, wow, Unix. Uh, control systems. So I'm, a, I'm an old time uh, programmer. And, uh, and so that's really where my background started. And then uh, about 2000, 2001, right in that window, um, the economy was starting to struggle a little bit. And semiconductor world is one of the tough businesses to be in because they always feel the downturn first and they're one of the last ones to kind of pick up because of where they're at in the in the food chain and so it um, had an opportunity that presented itself to me to jump out of that world in uh, July of 2001 and into the airport world because I thought that was the most stable world uh, environment in in business and you know the the History proved me a little bit wrong a few months later, but uh, but have been in this industry since 2001. Excellent. So that that's a that's a really opportune time then. I mean, uh, post pre 9/11 or at least around there, you know, that kind of gave rise to at least the industry looking at the environment a lot a lot differently. It did. Things changed uh, so dramatically, literally overnight, and we we really had to take a hard look at how do we do things differently i mean it was uh it was a uh, an ever-changing time things were happening very rapidly and so you had to be 
uh, on your feet quick. Uh, at that point, I was actually in the private sector, so I was a consultant, and we were doing work at uh, Phoenix Sky Harbor, and we were actually the first airport to stand up the automated fingerprinting because the uh, TSA, right after September 11th, had a mandate that we had to collect fingerprints, and, and none of the other airports could figure it out, but we were able to. But there are all of these little bits and pieces along the way that, you know, being very... Um, uh, being able to pivot, being very responsive, trying to figure out and solve technical problems very quickly. Uh, it just kind of built up uh, my career and got me to where I am today. So uh, my next question actually was going to be about you as an, in, as an outsider or someone who's coming from the outside looking at this space. But now um, I didn't know you came in right around the time, you know, around 9-11 when, every, like I said, everyone had to kind of like re-examine every bit of process from curb to gate. So you're kind of I guess I want to say grew, grew up at the right time from when that innovation had to occur to, to now. Yeah, I really, really came in at, you know, in hindsight came in at a, at a really opportune time for, for what I'm doing now. Um, spent most, in fact, all of my career, except for the last six years on the private sector side. So between doing consulting and delivering, uh, I used to work for a company called ultra electronics. So we delivered, um, uh, airport it systems into airports around, uh, the world literally. And uh, so I got a lot of international experience. I got a lot of experience from helping customers understand what they want to look for and then actually delivering the things that the customers asked for. And then I made the jump into the, um, the public sector about six years ago. And at that point, when I came into the public sector, I came in as the uh, as an IT director. So Really, my, my my majority of my career has been in IT and technology, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just really been in the last couple of years where I've started picking up and looking at the business development of airports and the small business component of airports, and now we're doing the customer experience design. And uh, as an IT guy, I now run the arts department at the airport, which is oh. still kind of blowing my mind. But But it all fits. <laughs> it all fits into this business of really looking at our customers' experience and what are the new and creative things that we can do to help relieve their stress, help them enjoy their time in our airport, um, surprise and delight them. Our brand promise is uh, we pledge to bring good feelings to everyone nonstop. And so we're really looking at what are the things that, what does good feelings mean and how do we deliver that? And, you know, innovation is a big component of of being able to create that environment. It is funny because you said you came on as the IT director and I think IT around that time, if you, if to the lay person, if you were to mention it was probably guy who handles servers, <laughs> computers, I have a problem by email, that kind of thing. And, and it's really evolved since then to kind of, well, as evidence now on the tech and innovation side. So it's really, it's really related. Yeah, it really is. And you're exactly right. We were, you know, the phones and the computer guys, right? If something was, uh, that, that was it. And, and there was not a lot of, um, at least at that time, there was not a lot of the, we're doing cool, innovative things and delivering solutions. It was, we're keeping blinky lights on. So what prompted the, really the creation of the innovation lab? Because um, I, I kind of see it as, as, a, as like an, um, a cool little R&D uh, department. <laughs> <laughs> if I could use it that way, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, throughout my career, there's been little things. I, I can actually go all the way back to uh, this, my days at Motorola. And one of the things that the semiconductor industry had was this organization called Semitech. And 
at that time, I don't know if they even still exist, but at that time it was based in uh, Austin, Texas. And the purpose of Semitech was to bring competitors together. So Intel and Motorola and AMD and all of the major chip manufacturers would come together to solve manufacturing problems. And so they all poured resources into this, um, into, into this base. And once they solved the manufacturing problem, they went back and they competed, but there was this really cool coming together to solve common problems. And that's kind of carried all the way through, um, all the way through my career. And that's what I started thinking about um, when I started pitching the innovation lab here at the airport was that experience. And then also my experience of being a, a private sector person in the airport world, it's a really hard world to break into. And so every airport, at least historically, would ask for uh, in their RFPs that you would have to have, you know, so many years of experience in a similar sized airport. And it created this huge barrier to entry. And so as we were looking at, um, at San Diego, our community, what we're really trying to drive into our experience of this industry, while it's a niche industry, there is a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of opportunity in our industry. And we started thinking about how do we draw in some of these younger companies with new and fresh ideas into our industry to help them get into our space, but also uh, help our space get new ideas. And so that those all of those things kind of blended together to really create the pitch for what became the Innovation Lab. And before I was going to, the next question was going to be about how the process for how you find the participants and then obviously guiding them from concept to completion, but something just came to mind. I mean, and I don't know why it hasn't already, but a couple things, innovation isn't just technology, right? Innovation could just be an improvement on a process or whatever. I think we just kind of almost fall back to um, a new widget that makes our lives easier as opposed to maybe a process that makes our lives easier, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. And in fact, strategically, when we finally started getting traction to stand up the innovation lab, I purposefully pushed it away from IT because at that time I was still the IT director and had just picked up uh, business development for the airport. So I pushed it towards business development. And the pitch really was about the revenue side of the airport and how do we um, innovate to create new revenue sources. But the real reason for doing that is exactly what you said. Anytime we would use innovation and the head of innovation being the person who ran IT, everybody immediately went to technology. And we knew that it would be bigger than technology. We knew it was going to be about customer experience. We knew that it was going to be about operations. We knew that it was going to be about, you know, new concessions that might come in, things that we didn't necessarily understand, but we didn't want it to have that oh, it's all technology kind of a stamp. So, so it was very um, thoughtfully considered how we, uh, how we approach that, that particular part of the pitch. So when was, or what year was the, the lab created? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> so I've been here since 2013, and it's been a seed that we've been working on since about 2013, 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, 2017 was the official, we presented it to the board, the board accepted that and we started building up the innovation lab. Last year, 2018 was when we did our first, uh, from 2017 to 2018, we did our first um, sort of 
mm-hmm. prep RFP, if you will, kind of a half process of what we wanted it to be, but the organization wasn't quite ready for that. And so we blended our old procurement process in with our innovation process to help bridge that gap. And that's where At Your Gate came from. So they were our first graduate, if you will, from the innovation lab, but they were uh, they kind of got in before we really had any idea what we were wanting and able to do as far as uh, the processes. So they got graded on a curve. <laughs> they did get graded on a curve. And, you know, they are absolutely our unicorn, though, just to, you know, yeah. to kind of call that out. We never, ever, ever expected anything to come out of the innovation lab that fast and mm-hmm. be that successful. But for them to leave here and within a year be in five airports, uh, I mean, it's just um, an amazing story. We're super proud of them. That's great. But about four years. So, I mean, so much happens and so much changes even within one year, let alone four years. Did, did you already have ideas at the times uh, or not ideas, but like um, perhaps uh, innovations in your head or maybe things that were presented to you is like, hey, we could do this, but didn't necessarily have a formal way to, to get it off the ground, I guess. Yeah, no, we really we really weren't thinking that way. What we were thinking about, honestly, was how do we work within the constraints of a public agency to create yeah. something that would enable innovation? And so our, our years of work really were around how do we work with our procurement department to legally do an open procurement that that fits in the innovation space? How do, how do we work with our general counsel to make sure that legally we're operating within the parameters that we have to operate in. So that really was um, the types of things. And then ultimately, how do we help the organization understand what it is we're trying to do? So, so most of that work was really about casting the vision, getting uh, the organization on board, and really creating something quite unique that would um, facilitate innovative companies being able to get into our into our space. Um, once we had that process built out and we had everybody on board and really getting the wheels turning and understanding what it was we were trying to do, that's when we started looking at what are the innovations we want to try and do. I mean, there's no, uh, there can't be, uh, and I'm going to say this obviously very biased, you know, I can't, I can't be a better at least live, um, I guess, uh, lab to, to apply this in or, or try this out in than an airport with all the, security and the constraints and everything that comes with it, I'm sure, correct? Absolutely, and, and we're learning even ourselves, right? We've I've been in airports for almost 20 years and I still go, wow, I didn't know you couldn't do that. So there's, there's lots of things, even from an innovative point of view that we're learning, but what's, what's really unique about what we did and now starting to become less unique, but was very unique about what we did is that we brought these innovators real customers. So, you know, they go to an accelerator, they go to an incubator, they bring them experience on how to build your business, what your business plan should look like, what your exit strategy, all the things about the business, but they tell you as an innovator to go find your own customers. We actually just took a different tack and said, listen, we've got 24 million people on the other side of this wall. If it's a good solution, here are your customers. We already brought it directly to you. And so that's helped us um, with our success. And what I loved about it as we got started up, when I started seeing uh, people you know, in foreign countries referencing my innovation lab or our San Diego innovation lab and you know, telling 
not understanding what we were doing, but giving examples of why things like that don't work. I thought it was absolutely priceless. So you made it. Um, we absolutely, yeah, we, we love it. Like give me the competition and tell me I can't do it and we will prove you wrong. So um, we've absolutely had a blast really kind of driving this process and, you know, innovators keep you young. Let's just be clear. They are, mm -hmm. they got a lot of energy and they're coming up with all sorts of ideas. We've had people come through here that, you know, pivot on a daily basis and your head is spinning thinking, would you just slow down for a minute so I can get a hold of what you're trying to talk about? Um, but it really is a lot of fun. Well, that, that's actually, that's great because it leads into my next question about, you know, I want to know uh, if you can explain the process for inviting the participants and how you guide them from concept to completion. How long does it take? I, I'm, I'm sure or fairly certain that when they come to you in the beginning, day one, it doesn't always look the same from the moment they leave and day whatever. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Uh, it, so it's been an evolutionary process even for us. So when we first started, uh, we did, I mentioned, we mentioned Attrigate earlier, we did uh, do a traditional RFP. We had people respond to it. We had a panel, they selected a winner, and then we entered them into our 16-week program. So we created the 16-week program, but we hadn't, we hadn't created the front-end procurement component of it. Once we got through that, we then went back to the drawing board and we said, okay, these are all the things that worked. These are the things that we wanted to change. And because we had done that collaboratively with our procurement team, with our general counsel, with you know other stakeholders within the airport, we were able to then change the way that we brought those companies in, but still do it as a public open procurement. So now what we've done in the last, the, what we call our first batch, but it really was our second grouping, a uh, second um, attempt at the innovation lab, we put out a PowerPoint. And so instead of writing hundreds of pages of uh, scope of work and putting together a very detailed RFP, we literally put together a paragraph and we put it into a PowerPoint that said a little bit about our airport, a little bit about the problem, and what we were looking for is um, from the innovators. We third party hired a third party uh, that goes that's called Dedicon Innovation Institute, and Dedicon Innovation Institute really runs that front end component of our our RFP process. So they receive all of the pitches. So instead of doing an RFP response, which our industry is used to, they're now putting together a traditional um, founders or innovators pitch deck. Uh, Dedicon looks through those. They um, sort through what they feel are the most uh, relevant for what we're looking for. They pass those on to us, and then we actually do in panel um, a review panel that looks at all of those uh, responses, ranks and rates them. We then uh, invite them into the program. There's some contract negotiations that happen. We bring them into the program. They're with us for 16 weeks. At the end of 16 weeks, uh, we do a uh, final interview, if you will, just like you would do in a traditional RFP. And that interview really is about, is this a solution that we think is going to work at our airport that we want to enter into contract negotiation? So yeah. at a super high level, it's about six months really from beginning to end when we put all of the bits together. And so we do two of these a year now, two, two batches a year. And what happens is at the front end of that batch, when we invite them into the innovation lab, we say, listen, we think this is a really good idea for our industry. That's gate number one. We work with them for 16 weeks. We get to know them. We help them pivot if they need to pivot. We refine their solution. At the end of 16 weeks, we're looking at it and saying, 
we know it's a good idea for our industry, but is it a good idea for our airport? And that's the final gate. So there's, um, that's kind of the process at a super high level. There's always lots of little details, but that's really the, the high level of it. So when they, well, when they're vetted, I guess I should say, not necessarily when they come to you, but when they're vetted, they, I'm sure they're much further along in, in whatever uh, product or concept that they're in. It's not just, uh, you know, something scribbled on a, on a napkin that says, oh, we'd really think we can do this. It has to be much further along than that, I'm sure, correct? Yeah, that's currently what we do. So the first, the first batch we had, we did a very specific thing and we learned through that was customer experience and um, parking product. And so we were looking for people that had at least a prototype, um, you know, as we're talking to the, um, the innovators and, and founders of, you know, of the world, the terminology we generally use is we want you either at your series A or, or beyond your series A. So really kind of, you know, well-established ready to go. They've got a few customers already going, right? We wanted somebody that was a little bit established. Now what we're doing uh, in this last batch, we did what we called our wild card. So we were testing, hey, what kind of crazy ideas are out there? So we brought that in and that's been very successful. And now going forward, we're going to run a very specific opportunity and our wild card opportunity. And then in um, October, when we release our, our opportunity statement for the spring batch, we're actually going to start up a new process, which will be a one year long um, innovation program. And we are looking for those people that have something scribbled on a napkin. So we've, we've started with the, all right, you guys are already kind of down the path. Let's bring you in and see if you can hit this vertical. And now we're moving to, all right, let's see what kind of crazy ideas you have and can we help you really develop it? So we're, we've really matured and grown the program as over time here. That's excellent. So you must have at least one or two uh, kind of fun stories from those that have come along through the process so far. Yeah, you know, the, I guess the the two that I, I could throw out there is, um, so I'll pick on Chris and at your gate. <laughs> uh, He's going to love this. When we started, yeah, I'm sure he will. Uh, and he'll remember this fondly. When we started with them, you know, we wanted them to be able to take food from one terminal and bring it to another. And that included food and liquids. And we, we thought, why can't you just go straight across the airfield from one terminal to another? Um, we learned along with them that that just was not allowed. And there were all sorts of rules about taking stuff from the sterile area down to the secure side, back to the sterile area. And so it ended up that they had to now exit the security uh, area, go back through the TSA checkpoint. And so that eliminated liquids. Um, we had no idea when we started that that was going to be a challenge. Um, and the other thing we had no idea that we, when we started with them is that we were going to have to create four separate contracts because of the way contracting in this public agency in an airport works. We didn't realize that there were, you know, license agreements and operating agreements and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> rent space agreements and all of these things we didn't learn. So, so we all learned together. Um, the other one that I would use is uh, we we learned the hard way that it's always good to get the people who are going to be affected involved sooner than later. Mm -hmm. And um, where we picked that up was we had this great company uh, by the name of Travel Car that came in and they wanted to test two different solutions. One was parking reservation system. So that's not a big deal, but uh, but an interesting channel for us to look at. The other was car sharing. Um, we didn't know they were coming into the lab until we really made an agreement with them and brought them in. And then we engaged our rental car companies and they were like, oh. how come you didn't talk to us before? 
And, and we didn't know. And so that, um, you know, there's it's just great learnings, but we definitely took some lumps. Um, but the nice thing, I mean, the happy end of that story is we were able to develop really good, deep relationships with our rental car partners and kind of work through it. But, um, but we recognized that there are just things that we as the small innovation team didn't see. And so because of that, this last batch, we actually reached out to all departments in the airport and asked them to uh, give us a, uh, a subject matter expert for their area that could say, hey, by the way, that's going to affect this and this and this. So we've, we've, we've learned a lot, but uh, we definitely have taken our lumps along the way. Not not that bad. I mean, I know a lot on the concession side have have gone through worse. So that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> there's there's probably other stories I just can't tell. Uh, sure, uh, contractually you're bound not to. I t- I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. So um, I saw that like I, I believe it was a week ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was San Diego Startup Week, and uh, you were definitely involved in it in some capacity. You know, talk about. Talk, I guess, talk about um, the culture of, I guess, citywide or maybe regionwide of um, start having a startup week or, or something like that where you bring a lot of these ideas to the foreground. Doesn't mean that they're going to be applicable to the airport, but, but you know, at least it's bringing a lot of ideas uh, to the fore and, of course, you know, the lab's relationship with it. Yeah, it's, um, it's a great time to be in San Diego. And it's one of those things like, you know, we talked about earlier where I happened to get into the industry at the right time. I happened to get into San Diego at the right time because there is this um, blossoming of a huge startup community that's happening uh-huh. okay. in San Diego now. And it's just, you know, the venture capitalists are starting to come to town and it's really a fun, fun time to be here. Startup week is really special. It happens uh, every, it's happened for a few years now. I don't know how many years they've been doing it. I've gone for the last two years. But it's really a time where people who want to start up a company can come and get together. And it's more about um, sort of the relationship component, but also the education component. So they've got tracks that are related to, you know, various forms of of innovation. So maybe there's an environmental track that was definitely last year. Um, There's a founder's track that happened this year. So they they help these. entrepreneurs who want to start their own companies really learn about uh, in a very short period of time a week learning at different sessions about what they need to know but also there's a um, a show floor for lack of a better term where you can go in and you can talk to all of these different innovators and so it's just a really great uh, community opportunity to create um, meetups during the week so there's uh, there's lots of social activities there's uh, there's lots of uh, com- organizations like us that are from a government perspective hovering around, trying to understand what's being done in our community that we can kind of help pull in. There's, uh, as I mentioned, uh, venture capitalists. There's people who are looking to infuse money into them. There's people that are looking to sit on their boards and be advisors and those types of things. So it's just a really fun environment to, to participate in. And I've been blessed to be able to speak the last two years about what we've done here at the airport uh, because you know even in our community that it's still really not known about what the airport is and what opportunities there are in our industry and so we're, we're just trying to get that word out every chance we get other airports are in some form or another not identically but are kind of following suit and creating their own innovation labs or at least innovation initiatives 
Um, I think before we started recording, you and I were talking about it. You know, Atlanta Airport has uh, a hack contest. Uh, Westfield um, has their own lab. Uh, Pittsburgh has partnered with an accelerator. You know, this I'm, I'm sure this you see this as a good thing. And I'm, and I just want to give you an opportunity to really talk about sort of evangelize for this kind of initiative and how it should be uh, adopted across all airports in the country. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. Uh, I think that the more uh, that we're all innovating, the the better that we all become. So what, what I've what I've loved about this industry since I've been in it is from the airport side, we're not true competitors, right? We're not selling products and trying to beat one another. We do like to compete. That's you know mm-hmm. part of human nature, but um, but it's a friendly competition. And what's so wonderful about it is that we all can share what we've learned and you know, have different opportunities. So as you're kind of building up this innovation component, two things. One is really you have to think about what angle do you want to take from innovation, right? So some airports are doing a heavy tech innovation. Some airports are using their innovation to test real things before they put them in the airport. Some are trying to use it for um, creating a culture internally to the organization, uh, airports like us who are now pivoting to looking at how do we innovate to create a better customer experience. So there's lots of different angles to take. And the the beauty of that is that even though we all take a slightly different angle at it, we're all making each other better. So not only are we making our industry better and helping to improve our industry and sharing thoughts and ideas, but we're also improving our local community. So mm-hmm. Um, every community that I, that has a major airport has some form of innovation going on in it. And for us to be able to tap into that and expose us to the world um, makes us all better. So, uh, you know, this imitation that goes on around me is the best form of flattery, and I'm excited to see it happen. Um, and we have been one of the, the very few that are open and vocal and very happy to share exactly what we're doing and exactly how we're doing it because, we want to see it grow in our industry. That is our contribution back to um, what we believe is a great uh, family and community that we're a part of. So, uh, Rick, one thing I forgot to ask um, of all the people, you know, in the, in the years that you guys have been doing this, um, how many are actually local? How many are pulling from across the board, the country, maybe, maybe globally, if that's possible? In terms of the participants in the program, yeah, it's it's been kind of a range. So our uh, we've we've had people from as far away as France. Um, we actually oh. had companies from India um, submit, but they didn't ultimately make it in, uh, mainly because of some challenges with with obtaining an airport badge. But but it it does kind of start at that level. As an airport, you do want to reach out. You know, we are a global industry, and so we know that there's innovation that happens. But what's happened over time? And sort of what we expected is it tends to regionalize. So we're now in this last batch, really have companies from San Diego, from LA, just from this local region. Um, and it's and it's kind of due to the on-site commitments that are required. You've got, you know, we we provide classes and training to help them learn about airports and about business in general, but also just to be on site in the airport when they're working directly with their customers. It's a time commitment, and so. Um, these programs naturally tend to get localized, which is another reason why seeing other airports start them up is quite valuable because ultimately we're all going to localize into our um, into our own ecosystems. And, and I think that's a very positive and powerful thing. So the last question for uh, that I have for you, Rick, is um, the future. 
uh, the future of the lab. What's next? It, you know, the way we were talking about it before we were, uh, I think we was, before we started recording or maybe we had, you know, technology kind of like things can become obsolete fast, <laughs> pretty quickly and, yeah. and things of, or things evolve really quickly. Uh, I'm sure this is almost like a, um, you know, a self replenishing type of, uh, type of category, you know, technology or innovation, you know, so just talk about the, what you see for the future of the lab. What's next? Yeah, so we're we're really doing another pivot in this next year, and um, and it really revolves around customer experience. So when we started, we were getting all these cool companies. We had no real um, roadmap on what types of companies we wanted to work with, what types of solutions made sense. We kind of created a pile of chess pieces without a chessboard. And so now we've uh, we've started up this customer experience design component of my responsibilities. And through that, create our customer experience design, which includes, you know, the traditional journey map and the personas. But beyond that, really thoughtfully considering what types of experiences and ultimately, more importantly, what types of feelings do we want our passengers to have along their journey? And then look into our toolbox of innovation and say, what are the things that we can take out of that toolbox and I drop into our operations to create that experience that we want to create. So the way our program is moving going forward is really getting into strategically thinking about innovation and how it impacts our customers' experience and even our employees' experience, not authority only, but all employees that have a badge at our airport. How do we make those things better in order to create the experiences that we want to create? So I, I, I fibbed a little bit. One, one other question <laughs> just popped up in my head while you were speaking about it. And let me know if you want to share this or not, but is there an area or, or, or something that you um, are really curious about and see to see how it could be possibly applicable to airports. I, I will say that like one of the, uh, one of my recent uh, podcasts that I had recorded, I interviewed Will, Will Baumgartner with Arup, um, Arup actually, um, and we spoke about autonomous vehicles. But that was more from a standpoint of on the ground side of uh, of airports, etc. You know, are, are there yeah. other things that you got you you consider, or you are kind of excited about, and say, "Hey, I'd love to see something like that in in, in the lab." Yeah, we've got uh, so there's there's sort of two related things there. Uh, you mentioned it before I had the chance, but but really, autonomy is a mm-hmm. is a really big thing that we're not ready at at airports. Right, we're starting to see bits sure. of it where. You know, they're pushing aircraft back with autonomous vehicles, but they're still being controlled by remote control there. Uh, in fact, one of the airports now is taking the planes all the way to the to the end of the runway by an autonomous vehicle uh, that's controlled via the cockpit. Wow. So there's there's a lot of opportunities airside for autonomy as well as landside. In our local uh, community, we're actually next year when we do our one year batch, that's the focus is autonomy and connectivity to the airport. So how can we um, create an avenue for people to get from the transit stations to our airport in a way most efficient? But the thing that's related to that is artificial intelligence. Yes. So the example I'll use, and I'm going to pitch it out there, and if somebody steals it, I better get credit down the road. Well, this is being recorded, is, so you're good. <laughs> I, I know. All right. So this is this. Is, I've talked about this for a few years now, but I do think that this is sort of the panacea is taking people's um, carry on luggage with them away from them and using uh, artificial intelligence and robotics 
to take that away from the checkpoint and allow people to freely move around the airport without their luggage, but have it within two or three minutes of them. If they need something out of it, the robot will bring it back to them. They can get whatever they need and then go away. But the piece that makes it really valuable in my mind is when the time comes to board the plane, that autonomous robot comes back and tells the passenger based on the aircraft, based on where you're sitting, place your bag in this orientation above this seat so that they can just immediately go in, put their carry-on luggage, and we can speed up the boarding of the aircraft. I think there's a huge opportunity right there to improve everybody's experience in one fell swoop. Well, I know if I'm traveling with my children and we're walking around looking for something to eat or whatever, I it, it is a drain <laughs> to have to carry, you know, tons of luggage behind, or, you know, to carry-ons behind us and, and everything else. So that's not a bad idea. And it's recorded now here on Friday, June 7th. So no one else can take it. Very good. But if they do, then, you know, we'll have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Through your lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Rick, that's all I have. Um, I want to appreciate, I want to thank you and I appreciate all the time you've taken to speak with me. Absolutely, Ramon. It's been a pleasure and I uh, wish you all the best. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Rick Belliotti. I personally love hearing about the forward thinking things that all airports do to keep elevating the overall passenger experience. And of course, as mentioned in this episode, Definitely check out my interview with Chris Hartman of At Your Gate. They were one of, if not the first graduate from the lab. Also mentioned, um, check out my conversation with Will Baumgartner of Arup. He and I talk about autonomous vehicles, which was something that kind of Rick touched on towards the end of this episode. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode once again, and please be sure to leave a positive comment or review. And as always, thanks for listening.